Well, I just want to start with one verse, Galatians 2.20. It's a verse we all know very well. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul's whole message, his whole life, his whole ministry was Jesus Christ and him crucified. He said, when I first came to you, I didn't want to know anything else except Jesus Christ and him crucified so that your faith would not rest in the wisdom of man, but in the power of God. And he said, I preached Christ so clearly that it was like he was crucified in front of you all over again. His message was alive and it was full of power. But here he makes this very bold declaration. He said, I have been crucified with Christ. It was something that had already occurred. It was in the past. And so now the life that he was living, it was no longer him who was living. It was Christ who was living in him. Jesus calls every person to be his disciple, saying to them, if you want to be my disciple, you must first pick up your cross and follow after me. There's no other person, there's no other man who would ask someone to be his disciple in such a way as this, that Jesus first calls us to die. What does it mean to be crucified together with Christ? Being crucified with Christ means that we have come to real faith in him. When Jesus was heading towards the place where he was going to be crucified towards Calvary. He was carrying his cross at the beginning, but it was too heavy for him. He stumbled on the way there. The Roman soldiers found a man by the name of Simon of Serena, and they asked him, they compelled him to come and to carry the cross for Jesus. That man had two sons who were together with him. By the names of Rufus and Alexander. How do we know their names? Probably later on, they all became a part of the church. And we even see that Paul once wrote and said, greet Rufus, chosen of the Lord. And his mother, who became like a mother to me. So they were probably a part of the church later on. Could have Simon known what an honor it was to carry the cross for the Lord in his weakness when he couldn't carry it himself, that he had to step in and carry it for him all the way to Calvary where he was crucified. We are told in all four of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, that Jesus was not crucified alone when he died he died together with some other criminals. But it's only in the Gospel of Luke that we hear more of the details of what happened when Jesus was crucified with two criminals, one on each side of him. One of the criminals who was hanged called at him saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him saying, Do you not fear God? 
since you are under the same sentence of condemnation. And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. One of the criminals mocked Jesus He said, if you're really the Messiah, if you're really the Christ, then save yourself and us too. But the other one says, don't you fear God, knowing we deserve to be up here for what we did. But he did nothing. He is innocent. And then he says to Jesus, remember, Jesus is in the last moments of his earthly life. He's about to die. He's hanging on the cross. But he says, remember me. When you come into your kingdom, that was something that no human being could have known just in and of himself. It was revealed to him by the father. God opened up his eyes to recognize that Jesus was not seeing the end of his kingdom. He was seeing the beginning of his kingdom. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said, I tell you the truth Today, you will be with me in paradise. Each one of us could only come to true faith in Jesus when God opened up our eyes and we began to understand the truth of the gospel. We received revelation from heaven. I once was blind, but now I see. I was lost, but now I am found. I was preaching about this very same story in our church back home in Romania. And there's a guy at church who is pretty new. I wasn't sure if he was born again yet. He oftentimes would talk about feeling good energy. He he had been exposed to a lot of new age. He had a very interesting background. But that day at church, he came up to me and he said, while you are preaching, I realized I experience exactly what that man who died on the cross next to Jesus experienced. And then I was like, okay, this guy's born again. He's met the Lord. He received that revelation of who Jesus was in his life, in his heart. He came to true faith. Being crucified with Christ means that we will suffer for the gospel. Paul was, before he became a Christian, the greatest persecutor of the church. He dragged away men, women, children, whole families to prison. He oversaw the martyrdom of many people who were killed for their faith. But after Paul became a believer himself, he was the one who received the greatest persecution. The greatest persecutor became the one who was the most persecuted himself. We oftentimes think about apostolic ministry like it's something very glorious and shiny and something that many people fight to become. Oh, I want to be an apostle. Paul didn't quite see it that way when he described his own ministry in first Corinthians chapter four. Verse 10 through 13, he says, we are fools for Christ's sake, but you are wise in Christ. 
We are weak, but you are strong. You are held in honor, but we are in disrepute. To the present hour, we hunger and thirst. We are poorly dressed. We are beaten. We are homeless. We labor, working with our own hands. When you hear apostolic ministry described that way, you're like, okay, let me think about this again. When reviled, we bless. When persecuted, we endure. When slandered, we entreat. We have become and are still like the scum of the world, the refuse of all things. The, the term that he used for the scum of the world, it was an expression used for men who were condemned to die. To those who were living on death row. He said, we are like death row prisoners. We have received the sentence of death. Then he, he says, we are the refuse of all things. We are the garbage of all things. That expression means something that is scraped off. Like when, when I go and visit my parents-in-law, they live in a small village in Romania. And sometimes when I visit them, I'll go in the back of their house where they have all of their animals and even further back behind their house where they have their garden. And I walk around. When I come back, my shoes are covered with mud and not only. So I have to go to my father-in-law. He's the best at this. And he will go to a place where they have a, sp a spigot of water and he'll get like a knife and some other tools and he'll make my, my shoes, my boots, like he'll scrape off everything and he'll clean them and make them like new. Uh, Paul, in describing himself and the apostolic ministry in general, he said, we are like something that you would scrape off. And it, it was a term that was used many times for human sacrifices. Like if somebody was going to be thrown into the sea as a human sacrifice, they would say that that's like that person's like something scraped off. They're getting ready to be thrown into the water. Like, have you ever seen pirates would make somebody walk the plank? That, that was what Paul was talking about. We're like people getting ready to walk the plank. We, we have been sentenced to die. Uh, we we have, are, are like something that's scraped off. Being crucified with Christ means it's no longer my ministry. It's His ministry. I have, have died to, to jealousy, envy, self-promotion. Feeling like I need to push myself forward to be recognized by other people. And instead, I try to push other people forward. I was just reading earlier today a book about a great man of God who is used mightily in healings and miracles. And it was said about him that whether he was listening to a famous evangelist or he was listening to someone who is brand new starting out in the ministry, he would amen in exactly the same way and would applaud for them. I said, that really says something about the character of that man. Well, when you are starting out in ministry, it's so important that you come to support the vision and the ministry of someone else. Jesus said, you, you can't be entrusted in something that's your own 
until you're faithful in that which is another. Say, Pastor, how can I serve you? How can I help you? I'm not here for self-promotion. I'm not here to build my own kingdom. I'm here to build His kingdom. That is all of our desire. That is what it means to be crucified together with Christ. Jesus Himself said that if the Master suffered, if, the, if He was rejected, then how much more will His servants be rejected, be hated? We are suffering sometimes for our faith to show the genuineness of our faith. I remember one young lady from Vietnam. Her father, when he heard that she had become a Christian, would take a rod and beat her on her hand. He would just keep hitting her hand over and over again, telling her, you need to renounce Christianity. We knew this young lady well. But she refused to move out of her parents' house. Because she said, if I move out of my parents' house, nobody will be able to lead them to the Lord. I said, what a testimony that is. In the Western world, I would say that suffering for our faith is oftentimes optional. Like, do we really want to be a witness for Christ or do we just want to shut up and keep it to ourselves? But living a really crucified life means that we are willing to be bold about our faith, even if it means that we are going to suffer for our faith. Being crucified together with Christ means that I have died to my old self so that I can live as a new person in Him. Bill Johnson said that the Christian life is not the cross. It's the cross that gets you to the Christian life. Christian life is living in resurrection power. But you also can't just jump over that part of the cross. That, that part of dying to our old self, being crucified with Christ, is a very important thing that all of us have to go through as we come to know Jesus. Another great man of God said, Rodney Howard Brown said that we serve the God of the empty cross, the empty grave, but the occupied throne. That'll preach. If you look for Jesus, he's not on the cross anymore. He's not in the grave anymore. He is living life from the throne in that place of dominion, in that place of power and authority, in that place of glory. And we are also called to live life from the throne together with Jesus. We are called to reign in this life through grace together with Him. His death was once and for all. Romans 6, 10 and 11. For the death he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. The death that he died, he died for sin once and for all. 
When he is said from the cross, it is finished. That means the debt has been paid in full. That the, the old system has been done away with and over. It has been made complete once and for all. In the same way, when you consider yourself, this is the way you look at yourself. You see yourself. You think about yourself. You are dead to sin, but alive to God. That is our identity. That is what we can be living in now. It says in 1 Peter 3.18, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that He might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. Christ suffered once for sins. It says also in the book of Hebrews that it wasn't necessary for him to die again and again. He died once and for all. And if you would stand above like a great timeline from the moment that Jesus died, when his blood was shed on the cross, it was once and for all. That means that it went into eternity and it stretched back to the beginning and all the way to the end. He died once and for all. That's why he is called the lamb who was slain from before the foundation of the world. So we also can die once and for all together with Jesus so we can live a new life together with him living in that authority and dominion in our lives. I have been crucified with Christ. And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. When I was ministering once in the Himalayan mountains, a man came to, to the meetings. It was his first time ever coming to church. He was a very uh, devout Buddhist his wife was a Christian, a believer. He was an alcoholic. He often would beat his wife and try to get her to renounce her faith. She suffered much because of her husband. But she brought him to church that day. And while we, we prayed for people, while we were ministering, this man fell to the ground under the Holy Spirit's power. And while he was lying there... He had a vision. And in his vision, he was being crucified. He saw nails being driven through his hands and through his feet. It was so real that when he got up from the ground, he kept staring at his hands and at his feet. Somebody asked him, why do you keep looking at your hands and your feet? He, he was looking for where the holes were. He experienced the same thing, the same vision three times that day. He would fall out on the ground and while he was lying there, he would see he was being crucified. He was crucified with Christ. That day he was born again. He experienced new life in Jesus and he was also baptized in the Holy Spirit that day. Began to speak in, in other tongues. And he started a home group in his own house where many of his friends and relatives came and heard the gospel being preached to them. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
I have been crucified with Christ. I had a dream one night. Have you ever had a dream that it was like you were watching a movie? It was so real. In my dream, I was going to be crucified together with 30 other people. Actually, we're 30 in total. And I was thinking to myself, I'm going to die in the worst way possible. I knew in my dream that people who, who are crucified, actually, the, their arms and their legs get weaker and weaker, and they can no longer push themselves up, and that they suffocate with liquid in their lungs. And I was thinking about how terrible this was going to be. But then in my dream, I started to think it's so good that Jesus is also going to be crucified together with us this day. Because if he's crucified with us, that means that we can come alive with him. I have been crucified with Christ. And in my dream, I saw the man who was going to crucify me. And right before he came and put the nails through my hands and my feet, I woke up and I was still feeling such intensity, almost a feeling like panic. I have been crucified with Christ. It's through being crucified with Christ that we can experience his life, the power of resurrection in our lives. Being crucified with Christ means that we can receive the fullness of life. We can drink waters from the spring of life. We can ha experience the living waters. When Jesus was hung on the cross, it was during the Pasto Passover, right before the Passover feast. So they wanted to finish it very quickly. So they came to the place where these men were being crucified and they went and they broke the legs of some of them. But when they came to Jesus, they didn't break his legs. And that what happened to fulfill what a prophecy of the Old Testament that said not one of his bones will be broken. Instead, they pierced his side. And when they pierced his side, blood and water flowed out of him. That meant that probably the, the sack around his heart, it like it burst. He, he was dead. That let it, them know he was really dead. That blood and that water started to flow out of him. I believe it's, it's a picture, yes, of the, the blood of Jesus that still flows today, that cleanses, that brings forgiveness that brings deliverance and freedom to people's lives, that washes and makes us white as snow. But it also speaks of the living waters, the Holy Spirit, which had not yet been poured out because Jesus had not yet been glorified. Those living waters that Jesus said, if you drink of the waters that I give you, you will never grow thirsty again. Remember that the Lord spoke to Moses once and he said, take your staff and hit the rock. And when Moses did that, water started flowing out of the rock so that millions of people could drink of that water. Later on, 
God spoke to Moses and said to him, not that he should strike the rock, but that he should speak to the rock. But Moses, probably in frustration, probably in anger with the people, he said, you rebels. He takes his, his rod and he goes over and he hits the rock. He's like, why isn't anything happening? Let's try it again. He hits it again and that time water started flowing out of it. But because he did that, he wasn't allowed to enter into the promised land. I heard one person say that maybe it was because he broke the symbolism, the type that was supposed to be in the water flowing out of the rock. Because Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 10 that there was a rock who went with them. And that rock was the Christ. And Christ was only smitten once. He was only hit one time. And out of him there flowed these living waters. And those waters just keep on flowing forever and ever. That we can drink of that, those living waters. And we can have every need that we have met in the waters of His Spirit. We can be refreshed. We can be strengthened. There's another story where Samson takes a jawbone of a donkey. And he fights a whole bunch of Philistines and he beats them all with it. But then he gets so exhausted and so tired from his great battle that he says, God... I'm going to die here of exhaustion. I'm going to die here of thirst. The place where he was was called Lehi. So he began to cry out to God. And it says that God caused there to split open a rock that was there. And he began to drink of it. And he was refreshed. And he called that place Anhekori, which means the place of the, the crier, the rock of the crier, the one who cried out to God. In the place where you cry out to God, he will cause his living waters to flow unto you so that you can be refreshed, so that you can be strengthened. Maybe tonight you even say, I feel like I'm very battle-weary. I'm tired from all these battles I've been facing. Cry out to the Lord, and He will cause His living waters to flow unto you, so that you can receive of His Spirit. You can receive of His power. Because of what Jesus did on the cross in His death, in His resurrection, because He ascended and was glorified, today we can receive the Holy Spirit in our lives. We can drink of the living waters. We can be refreshed, strengthened, empowered by the Holy Spirit flowing into our lives. I was also so encouraged to hear tonight testimonies of different ones who came and said to me before church, oh, when you were here five years ago, I was in a wheelchair and you prayed for my ankle and the Lord touched me. Hallelujah. Another one who said, I'm ministering right now and what you prophesied to me before I'm doing exactly what you said. Praise the Lord for that. That is the Holy Spirit ministering to people. Living a life, a crucified life, means that you are living a life full of the Holy Spirit's power. Full of resurrection life in you. 
The same Spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead dwells in you. He will quicken your mortal bodies by that same Spirit. It's the Spirit of God. It's the same Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. He can now dwell in you. I have been crucified with Christ. Also means that you can be healed in your body. There's another story where uh, Moses was with the people of Israel in the wilderness. And they began to grumble and to complain. So God sent all kinds of poisonous snakes among them. They started biting them. Thousands of them fall down, fell down dead. But God gave Moses an idea. He gave him a word that he would make a bronze snake and he would put it on a piece of wood. And the Lord said, everyone who looks on the snake will be healed. The snake represents something that's cursed. Jesus Christ became a curse for us when he was hung on the tree, on the cross. He took the curse from us. And the bronze represents mankind. But as they look upon this bronze serpent, one after another were healed there in the wilderness. Jesus would say, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. So that all men can be drawn unto Him. If we will look to Jesus today, we can be healed in our bodies. He can do a miracle for you today as you look to Him. The One who was slain for you. I'm sure we're all familiar with Isaiah 53. Where it says that by His stripes you are healed. But actually what it says there, it's not just stripes, it says wounds. Because some people think it was talking about the 39 lashes that Jesus received on his back. I believe that it includes that. But it talks about all of his wounds. The, the nails through his hands, through his feet. The thorns that were pushed onto his head. The whipping on his back. All, all everything that he suffered... By His wounds, you are healed. By the shed blood of Jesus, you are healed. I was thinking about how when Jesus was physically on the earth, He would walk through crowds of people and people would reach out and touch Him. And many who touched Him were instantly healed. There's so many people healed that they couldn't be counted they couldn't all be remembered. But today, we can experience something even greater than that. It's through His broken body. It's through His wounds. It's through what He suffered for us that we can be healed today. We can receive of His broken body. We can receive of His shed blood. That is such Power. He has made a covenant of healing with us. His very name means that He heals 
that He saves, that He delivers the name of Jesus. When Peter would quote that prophecy of Isaiah, by His wounds you are healed, he made an interesting choice. He said it actually in the past tense. He said, by His wounds you were healed. Isaiah was was looking forward to it. But Peter is saying it's already a done deal. By his wounds, you already were healed. Your healing has been bought in full by what Jesus did in your place and how he suffered for you. Today, you can be healed. We have seen the Lord heal so many different types of uh, things that God has healed. And we say this only for His glory. We have seen the Lord open blind eyes, open deaf ears, mend broken bones, where instantly the bones were made so that they were not broken anymore. We have seen the Lord cause the paralyzed to get up and walk. And He can do it time and time again. By His stripes, by His wounds, you already were healed. He wants to bring you into such a place of faith here this evening that you can receive your healing. You can receive your miracle in your body. By His wounds, you were healed. What does it mean to say that I have been crucified with Christ? It means... I am living for Him. Every breath that I breathe is for Him. My life has been laid down upon the altar. I am a living sacrifice for Jesus. In Hebrews chapter 13, if we can open up there together, and I'm going to close here. It says in Hebrews 13, verse 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Be not carried about with different strange doctrines, for it is a good thing that the heart be established with grace, not with meats, not with food, which have not profited those who have been occupied with them. But we have an altar from which those have no right to eat it who served in the tabernacle. In other words, the priests of the Old Testament had no right to eat of the altar that we can come to and receive from. And that is speaking about the cross of Jesus Christ. His work that He did for us in His broken body and shed blood. For the bodies of those animals whose blood was brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin were burned outside the camp. Wherefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered outside the gate. Let us go forth, therefore, unto him outside the camp, bearing his reproach. It says that even those animal sacrifices, they had to take them and burn them outside of the camp. 
Jesus suffered outside of the city that he might sanctify a people. We are that people, the church, the body of Christ with his own blood. He suffered outside the city. He suffered rejection. He suffered shame. He suffered reproach. He died a death that nobody wanted to die during that time. The worst possible way that somebody could die. But then this invitation is giving. Let us go forth, therefore, unto him outside the camp. Let us bear the same reproach that he also bared. I have been crucified with Christ. And it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. To be crucified with Christ means that we have come to a real faith in him. To be crucified with Christ means that we have died to our old self so that we can live a new life in him. To be crucified with Christ means that we suffer for the gospel, for his name's sake. To be crucified with Christ means that we can experience His fullness of life, His resurrection power, the Holy Spirit in our lives. To be crucified with Christ means that we today can be healed. We can experience a miracle in His name. To be crucified with Christ means that we will live for Him. So I invite you to say together with me, together with so many others throughout history, together with Paul, the apostle himself, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's all stand up together. If you want to, just lift your hands to the Lord wherever you're standing. Come, Holy Spirit. Move through this room. Release, Lord, your power. Release, Lord, your anointing in this place. Oh, the Holy Spirit is here right now. The glory of the Lord is here in this room. Maybe there's someone here tonight. You've never made Jesus your Lord and Savior. Tonight, He wants to open your eyes so that you can come to know Him in a personal and a real way. Make Him your Lord and Savior. I also believe the Lord showed me that He wants to do many miracles in families. And there are some of you who have been believing God for family members. There's impossibilities in your family. Those who had hard hearts. Those who are very cold. Who would close themselves off to the gospel. The Lord says to you that He's going to begin to move things in your family. 
things are going to begin to change for you. It's a new day in your family. It's a new day in your house. Even as my wife was sharing earlier about the the jailer in Philippi, he and his whole household came to faith in Jesus that night. There are miracles of household salvation that the Lord wants to release. Even prodigals, people who are running away that will bow their knees. Because the Lord wants to make this a very cutting edge church. A church that's on the forefront. A church that's a pioneering church. That's a breakthrough church. And there will be many who come here who experience addictions. The enemy had them all bound up in all kinds of chains. And you will see the Lord breaking yokes by His anointing. Chains will fall off. Prison doors will be open. The captives will be set free. You will proclaim liberty to all of those who are in captivity. The Lord says, I will make this a church that has a voice that the captives will hear. And they will come shaking as their chains fall to the ground. From the north, the south, the east, and the west, they will come. And they will be drawn to the light of the Lord that is shining upon you. The light that is shining upon this church and through this church. The glory of the Lord. And there will be new hope released to families. To those who are very lost. Even to those who were afraid. The Lord says, be not afraid. And this will also be a house that is a place of training and a place of preparation for those who are in ministry. But it will not be people in ministry who are self-seeking or interested in their own selfish needs and desires. But it will be ministers who come to lay down their life, to serve, to help, to support the vision. Those who come to wash feet. Those who come to help with whatever need there is. The Lord says, I will bring an end to ego. I will bring an end to selfishness. To pride. And people will even die to those old things and the old ways of doing things. And I also make you a people who rescue many out of religion, tradition, and dead things. And bring people into newness of life by the Spirit of the Lord. And I will increase the moving of my Spirit. And I will increase the moving of my power in your midst, says the Lord. Even on regular weekends, there will be an increase of the Holy Spirit's power in your service. People will sense a marked increase in the manifest presence of God. Come Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit.